The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pot of thunder and rock and roll and the only home of the patented Duff McKagan joke of the week. Chris Jericho, Duff McKagan calling you from uh, London. I'm actually literally watching Wimbledon. And guess what? Guess what? Check this out. Number one rated Andy Murray. You know what time he goes to bed? Tennish. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Nice. I like how Duff... Uh, Use a little bit of an English twinge there for that joke since he's in London. Uh, thanks to Duff for bringing the last every Friday and bringing the music all summer long with Guns N' Roses. The stadium tour is rolling. Go see it if you can. Tickets and information at GunsNRoses.com. They're playing Friday and Saturday at Twittenham Stadium in London. I was talking to Duff today, and he's very excited to play this weekend for all of the UK fans. And I'm headed to the UK this weekend as well to do the Jericho Chronicles, telling stories and answering your questions. July 4th, we're in Glasgow at SWG. We're going to be talking about AEW, uh, taking your questions and answers as well. July 5th in Belfast, we're going to be talking about all of my WrestleMania experiences uh, at the Limelight. And July 6th at London uh, in the Grand, we are going to be talking about my greatest matches. And of course, once again, taking all your questions, giving some answers. There are still tickets available at itrticks.com and a few VIP packages left as well. They sold out. We opened up some more. I think they're all going to go. So if you want to meet me and say hi in person, go to itrticks.com. All right, today, Pride Month is ending, and I've got Anthony Bowens here one half of the acclaimed tag team at AEW and son of Talk is Jericho alumni, Sandy Vigilante. Sandy's the guy who was on the show recently talking about hockey fights. He was obsessed with hockey fights. It's a great episode. Go check that out if you haven't had a chance. But Anthony is here today and shares what it was like growing up with his dad and the cool hockey memorabilia he has because of it. He talks about the games he went to and what it was like in his house with dozens of TVs and VCRs constantly taping hockey fights. And, of course, Anthony talks all about his wrestling career from his early days uh, to his WWE tryouts, that's plural, more than one, to signing with AEW finally. Great stories about meeting Max Caster for the first time as they're going to meet Tony Khan to become a tag team, the acclaimed. Their first match as a team, developing their characters. He also talks about what expired their music videos. They did one on me. The scissor greeting and their friendship with the gun club. We go over some of their high-profile matches like the one with MJF and I. Uh, and their main event match on Dynamite against the Young Bucks that kind of changed their careers and their lives. Anthony also talks candidly about being a gay wrestler and what it was like early in his career. What finally inspired him to come out. He talks about how many things have changed for the better, the support he received from his family, friends, and co-workers, and how much AEW's inclusivity means to him. He's also got some words of encouragement for anyone else going through the same thing. He's a great guy, very inspirational. Here we go, Anthony Bowen's right here on Talk is Jericho, starting now. So one of the uh, biggest hit shows uh, that I've done over the last few months involves a one Anthony Bowen's father, Sandy, <laughs> with the uh, NHL fights. Now, the thing I wanted to ask you uh, <laughs> before we get started on your story is how was that for you growing up? Because I had so much feedback from people going, this guy is great and he's completely <laughs> off his rocker and like he fights referees that broke up fights and that whole thing so uh how was that for you as a kid 
it was fun. I found myself in a lot of, um, I guess, not NHL, AHL, ECHL, all those, uh, all those leagues, a lot of those locker rooms as a kid. He would always take me up to uh, all these games. He'd go in and cases upon cases of uh, videotapes from all these teams, and he'd go home and edit them off. We had like, I want to say 12 TVs all hooked up to DirecTV satellite dishes going every single night taping stuff i would get the box scores he'd uh you know edit all, all the hockey fights and then he'd give all the tapes back it was a whole process but it was cool i had a lot of fun uh i, I tried to do it myself with um there's this video game i think it was nhl01 for play on uh, playstation 2 mm -hmm. and i'd have a fight in the video game and i would pop in a vhs tape and i would tape all the video game fights and it just like i could be like my dad <laughs> it was crazy but it was fun I, I got a lot of um a lot of memorabilia out of it too my whole closet's full of game use hockey sticks uh uh Gretzky, Messier, because uh, he had the connections. All the guys yeah. knew him, right? He he didn't do this for money. He just loved it. So yeah. when they would offer him stuff, he'd be like, "I don't want money. Just give me, you know, a stick for my uh, for Anthony." So I, I made out. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever play hockey at all? No, I only played baseball. Okay. Hockey really never. I did street hockey like with mm -hmm. my friends, but nothing organized. It was always just baseball and wrestling for me. So then, how did you get into wrestling? Was that were you a huge fan as a kid? Yeah, so I got into wrestling in '97. Sting was the first thing I saw. It was the uh, the vignettes for him and Hogan for Starcade '97, the one where uh, he's like in a like in a warehouse. It's raining, like steps on Hogan's face or something. Like this is Crow Sting, right? Crow Sting, yeah, yeah. I was like, this is cool, and then. Um, he, he's the really one that got me into it. And then I came home one day and there was a, a VHS tape for uh, WrestleMania 14. Uh, my dad dropped off for me. And that one, that's when the super fandom like, came in. It was either WWE and um, WCW every single week. So you're a fan basically your whole life then, Whole right? life, yeah, whole yeah, life. Yeah. So, uh, since I was six years old. So it's interesting to me. We'll talk about your whole career because, like I said, there's so much cool stuff to talk about. We we have some great stories as ourselves. But one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about was it's Pride Month, obviously. And I watched your video that you did because <coughs> during the show we show uh, videos from, from LBGTQ. Yes. As you led me along there. <laughs> and it's, inter it's cool because in, in this day and age, so I've been wrestling – for you know since the freaking 1600s but just to see how the attitude on gay men and gay women has changed in wrestling over the years and you had a really interesting comment which kind of really sp spurred why i wanted to talk to you is that you said you never thought and i'm paraphrasing this i'm probably getting it wrong sure you never thought you could actually get into the business because of your sexual orientation or something is that kind of what you said in that video yeah i, yeah. I never really um there were a lot of thoughts that were going through my head at one point if I'd ever be successful in the business. Because I was already in, I had already started. I started wrestling in 2012. And by that point, I'd been out to just my friends at that point. And there wasn't really that many out athletes. I think Darren Young was the only guy that was like actively out um, as a professional wrestler. So there didn't really seem to be any hope for me if I came out hmm. to be successful in the business. So that was something that scared the hell out of me for a very long time. So. And that was actually one of the biggest things that kept me in the closet for the uh, for a long time because my uh, my friends knew and then my parents eventually knew, and everybody was super supportive. Everybody was super helpful and helped me, you know, become comfortable with myself. But it was just the wrestling aspect of things that you know. There's so many unknowns. Like, would fans turn on me? Would I have to start defending myself in the ring because people might not, you know, like my quote unquote lifestyle? There were so many different thoughts that was running through my head. So I had no idea. Um, like, would I be, am I wasting my time, basically, because, mm -hmm. you know, I'm bumping for nothing. <laughs> right, yeah, bumping for nothing. But the thing is, too, that, that was interesting, uh, around that time frame, there was, like, this is something that's so bad in wrestling, which probably happens in a lot of stuff, but wrestling was kind of the last, or one of the last outposts in, like, okay, if you're, if you're gay, then we have to do the storyline where you are married, uh, gay marriage, Billy and Chuck, or... You are um, a boy, George, like Chris Chris Canyon. That you know, and then we of course we had gorgeous George, and we had Adrian Adonis, and we had Adrian Street, and you know, same thing. If you were Japanese, you'd have to come to the ring with some Japanese mandolin and throw salt in people's eyes, and that was still very prevalent in the 2010s when you started. Because I think Billy and Chuck was probably was it around that time? Was it earlier? I think they were a lot. They were a little bit earlier. A little bit earlier. Maybe like oh four. Okay, gotcha. But when you see this. As a, as, as a gay man, do you watch this and go like, oh, is this my fate? Or did that kind of 
did it kind of discourage you? Did it bother you? How was that? Well, in the, the Billy and Chuck time, I wasn't really, I was still pretty young then. I didn't really have okay, any gotcha, inkling gotcha. of anything until, gotcha. uh, I want to say, maybe, maybe about midway through high school, which was okay. like 07, uh, around that time period. But yeah, there wasn't really that much representation out there, which is why I think everything is having a diverse roster like we have is so important because there's a little bit of, very much so yeah of everything you know you got myself you got sunny you got nyla so there, there's a mercedes, lot of mercedes yeah. uh diamante layla so there, there's a lot of different people on the roster and stories that people can kind of relate to which i think is pretty cool now and then mm. even on the independence like we've gotten to the point where there's shows with all lgbtq ca- uh, talent which is unheard of, right, you know. Right. So I think we're moving in the right direction. You know, there's still you know work to be done, but um, it's a lot more positive now in the industry than it is like when I started. So when you first started, though, how long did you kind of keep it to yourself? Because you said you were kind of worried about like what kind of what kind of uh, judgments will I have against me as a, as a wrestler? Yeah, so I started in 2012, and then I eventually came out in January of 17. So what happened with that was I met my boyfriend, Michael, in May of 16. We met him just a few weeks yes, ago, right? Yes, yeah, 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 met him in L.A. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we dated secretly for about six months, which I feel really, really guilty about. But I didn't really feel like it was my time yet to come out. So I asked him just to bear with me, which, you know, to his credit, he liked me enough that he did. And there was times where it did suck, especially for him, because, you know, he, you know, he wants to yeah. show his boyfriend around and right, to his right. friends. You kiss at the restaurant or yeah, something, kiss, or something like that. Yeah. So that was a bit hard. And he always wanted to start a YouTube channel. And he's like, let's just make this this fun, like, YouTube video together. And I was like, nope. that's not happening um again i promise you this won't be a forever thing i just need to feel ready and i saw how much that like it bothered him and rightfully so so like no screw it no one's gonna see this you have like three subscribers let's make the video so it was uh, something called the laughing challenge where uh you watch like a funny video, like different clips, and you put water in your mouth and you lose if you can't hold the laughter. You spit the water. (laughs) Very silly. We made it. Didn't think anything of it. And then a couple months later, my buddy Damien, who was one of my friends uh, in the business at the time, he texted me. He was like, dude, you know, why didn't you tell me? And my stomach sank. And I I knew what he was talking about, but I I played dumb. I was like, "Eh, what do you mean? Yeah, what what the hell does this mean? He was like, dude, we saw the video. No one cares. We all love you. You're you're a great worker. We just wish you would have told us. And at that point, I was like, I had the support of um, my best friends. I had the support of my family and my wrestling friends support me as well. Like, what am I kind of waiting for here? And I have this great relationship with Michael that I'm hiding. Like, what do I have to lose here? Like, I don't care about anybody else. I have my, my core set. And then from a wrestling perspective, I can help people who are feeling uh, the same way that I was feeling. So maybe I could provide them hope, the hope that I didn't or I thought I didn't have. So um, it was like a couple's game night. For some reason, I just felt like the time was right. I picked up my phone. I typed up a little something on uh, Facebook. I shut it off and like threw my phone across the room. Uh, I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell my parents. I didn't tell my friends. I wanted the, the, the decision to be mine and mine only. And then about 45 minutes in, I told Michael to pick up his phone to, uh, and go on Facebook because back then... Uh, relationships weren't official until it was Facebook official. <laughs> so right, right. I sent them the, the relationship request. And um, I remember, I'll never forget, he picked up the phone, this huge smile came across his face. And then we um, we read through all the stuff, which was, I'd say about 99% positive and, you know, cried and all that stuff. And it was a good moment. And that was kind of like phase one of coming out. And then part two was, I was approached maybe like a couple months later by this website called Outsports, which I had never heard of. Outsports? Outsports, yeah. They're an affiliate of the Huffington Post, which I had no idea. And they're like, hey, we'd like to write about your, I mean, would you like to write about your story? And I was like, well, sure. If one person reads it, you know, at least I helped. Right. Not thinking anything of it. So I wrote it up, sent it in, and I woke up the next day and my phone was just exploding because, you know, Huff, all the Huff Posts around the world and all these other media outlets were just, it was going viral. And since then, my life has been you know, forever changed. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What a huge step to to come out, right? And you mentioned like it's not something that you could just do brashly, but it must be a really kind of a big like like reveal, like almost like walking naked in public or something like that. Like you really are bearing your soul. And the thing is, who really cares? But like you said to you, you what if somebody does care? It must have taken a lot of guts to, to come to that point. I wouldn't say guts. I think it was more or less I was just tired of carrying this burden. burden yeah. You know, it was more relief, I suppose, because yeah. I just wanted to live life without having to tailor my conversations and like hide from certain conversations that you know guys would typically be having you know with girls and stuff like that and then i have to be like yeah i was hanging out with this this chick the other night yeah, and she yeah, was yeah. so hot and like, right. I, I was tired of doing that and tired of like hiding in the shadows trying to you know live my life so it was more of a relief i i suppose it's interesting <clears throat> uh, a friend of mine is rob halford he's the singer of judas priest mm-hmm. And he, he's been on the show a couple of times and he told the story about like in the 80s when he was a gay man but still closeted. He was the singer of heavy metal Judas Priest and he was so worried that if he was outed that it would hurt the band because it was such a macho heavy metal. So he would have to go in secret and like you said, date guys in secret, actually even hanging out like in truck stops and that sort of really kind of... It's amazing to think that that was only... 30 40 years ago but how much things have changed to like where you said now in wrestling is also very macho style of of entertainment as well you know yeah it wasn't that long ago Mm. it really wasn't when you think about it even in the sense of like fred coming out that was like 2000 darren young darren yeah yeah. uh, 2012 13 i I don't know the specific year but that's not that long ago Mm -hmm. you know it's less than a decade so a lot of stuff has happened very quickly which is good well, it's very good because also, too, I was very good friends with Chris Canyon, who never did. Well, he did finally come out, but we always knew that he was gay and, and no one really cared, but no one really talked about it. Like, you know, we were all hanging out with chicks back in that time frame. He never did. But you could tell that, that, that he was gay. And I think that led to him having some real deep rooted issues where he ended up taking his life, which is such a shame and, and so horrible. But. Is that one of the reasons why you wanted to come out too? You want, like you said, if one person reads this, do you consider yourself maybe not a role model, but are you kind of a, a lighthouse for other people that might be nervous in coming out? Have you ever dealt with anybody who said thank you, fans? Oh, all the time, fans, yeah. other workers. Like, really, I get messages all the time, and it's it. They're all nice because it it affirms or confirms um, that I made the right decision. It's I spent a lot of times just legit like crying in my room i remember just being so exhausted from it all i I pulled my car into my garage and i just sat there for like 30 minutes in the dark crying to myself because i was just so i was sick of of constantly having anxiety of constantly being scared of people uh, finding out scared for my future you know all those things and there's a lot of thoughts that you tend to make up in your head you make it a lot worse than what, what it is um and then I'm lucky. I always say I'm lucky because I had a good support group with my friends and um, and my parents and other people don't have that you know that fortune. They have maybe they have parents who are like super religious and they're against it, and then they have uh, the fear of being you know excommunicated from their family. So there's so many different like layers to it, and it's all situational. Just to sum it up, it all sucks <laughs> when yeah, you're going yeah, through yeah. it. It just sucks. But I am you know a hundred percent happy with my life now mm. because you know I'm just. I'm comfortable. I'm in my own skin, and I'm just always free to kind of just be myself around people. Which you know, hopefully, That's the most important thing. Yeah. And like you said, once you finally say it, like, who really cares in 2022, right? Like, really doesn't make a difference. Mm-mm. You know, one of my mentors in the business, and, and probably the guy who taught me the most about wrestling psychology, Pat. of course, is the great Pat Patterson. Uh, did you ever get a chance to meet him? I never met. Actually, I it was like a high and goodbye. I never got the opportunity gotcha. to just and talk to him. Completely gay, but his story too. Once again, in the '60s, in the '70s, with all the stuff he had to go through, especially in this wrestling business where it's all macho and fighting. Mm. And you know, I, I learned a lot from him about you know about 
being a gay man in the wrestling business and some of the stories and stuff that he went through. But, you know, once again, like just how things have changed. But man, that, yeah, that guy was such a, a great performer. It's so smart. And oh, by the way, he's gay. Yeah. And nobody cared. Right? Sure, sure. So I'm sure that's a little bit inspirational for you. Yeah, and I always hear a lot from your podcast how good Pat was with you know his ideas and his finishes and his, yeah. his uh, I guess psychology with wrestling. So he was somebody I wish I was able to meet and kind of pick his brain a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he was crazy too because he would like he was so self-deprecating humor about being gay. And if I told you half the jokes he told about himself, I'd probably get kicked off the air. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel that though because I, I kind of do that myself because it's almost a way of you know yeah. easing any kind because there's always. Even to this day, no matter how long you're coming out, sometimes there's always this little um, thought in the back of your mind when you're with people who you may not be familiar with. You kind of want to ease the tension that you think might be there, so you crack a joke or something like that. So I, I understand that mm. completely. Since you've come out, has there ever been any issues at all since you came out of derogatory things? So when, I, when we first started the YouTube channel... It was brutal. You guys, you, you My, Michael, yeah, Michael and I. Yeah. Uh, like and subscribe, by the way, Michael and Anthony. Um, <laughs> Michael and Michael and Anthony. Michael and Anthony. <laughs> like and subscribe. <laughs> Quick plug. I'll check it out. Um, we've grown the channel to about two hundred and fifteen thousand subs. So we. That's get, huge. Yeah, yeah. We've we've grown a lot over the years, but we also get a lot of a lot of bad shit on there. Um, stuff that like you would should never say to another human being die and all, all this kind of stuff um so that's where the majority of all the negativity came from i've never had somebody come up to my face and say something probably because i know i'll kill them you knock them yeah. <laughs> no one's gonna come to your face and say anything <laughs> so right i am lucky in that respect but most of it has come online and then we had that incident in um long island but is I, that where it was yeah it was during dark or during dynamite dynamite you're, you're wrestling the match. You're wrestling a match. Apparently, somebody yelled out a, um, a derogatory slur. I yeah. didn't hear it in the ring. I happened to see it um, in when a clip. You watch on, it back. It's pretty loud. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty loud. And, you know, I, at this point, like, I'm so – I became so numb to all this stuff early on, which I guess kind of was a big help for getting into the wrestling business and being on national TV, considering how negative a lot of people tend to be. Yeah. I'm just used to getting that stuff, so it just bounces right off me. And I'm used to ignoring it, but I kind of took that specific example to kind of show people that, hey, we still need a little bit more you know, work to be done. Because um, I don't really like to amplify any, uh, any of that kind of um, like hate. Negativity, yeah. ig ignorance. Ignorance. You know, because, I mean, you're a pretty calm guy. You're a pretty, pretty quiet guy. But um, does it still surprise you that in this day and age? We, sorry, I know it's a little bit chilly in here. <laughs> does it surprise you in this day and age you still have people yelling out this stupid shit like that and, and you know you're it, it bugs me it bugs me that you would yell at anything racist or homophobic or anything like that but you, you're in the position actually of being in both situations yeah um it doesn't surprise me because you know no matter how much you advocate and no matter you know you can change a three million people and turn them to better human beings there's still going to be another million people out there who are going to be full of hatred and self like there's always going to be those people. So no matter what, no matter all the good that you're doing, you just you got to be prepared and know that it's going to be out there. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. So let's talk about, about, about your wrestling career, because like you mentioned, there's a lot of stuff that you've done, and more importantly, being a part of the acclaimed. But let's talk, I don't know anything about your career prior to AEW. Where did you start? Where did you go? And how did you end up here? So I was playing, I played baseball in college uh, at Seton Hall and uh, Montclair State University. And I stopped playing after four years. I had a fifth year of eligibility, which I decided, which I declined. I was, it just wore me out. It just wasn't fun anymore. And I kind of hit this place where I was so used to being on the field for five, six hours a day that there was this emptiness mm -hmm. creatively and like athletically. Right. So I tried to look and figure out what would I want to do next. And I've always dreamed of being a pro wrestler, never thought I could become one. 
um, and I didn't know how to. And I went to the gym in Raw was in the area, and I went to the gym. And I think it was October of 2012, and uh, I went there taking pictures with everybody. And the last person who I wasn't going to bother because he was he was working out was uh, Santino Morella. And I was like, screw it. And my, my buddy was with me. He was like, you're never going to see this guy again. Just <laughs> go take the picture. So I was like, okay. Took the picture with him. As I was walking away, he said, hey, you kind of look like a pro wrestler. Have you ever thought about becoming one? And I was like, well, coincidentally, yeah. I just don't know where to go or what to do. And um, he takes out his phone. He gives me the number to Pat Buck, who's currently a producer here mm-hmm. uh, at AEW. Called Pat. And then I went down the next week and I signed up. Was that Creator Pro? Creator Pro That's New Jersey. also Brian Myers' place too, right? Yeah. yeah. So we have Creator Pro is in New Jersey in Rawway. And then there's Creator Pro New York, which is in Hicksville in Long Island. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so I started training and um, that's, that's how I got into the business. You remember your first match? My first match was a, it was actually a battle royal where, where the, the main event was Tony Nese versus a student. Nice beat the shit out of him and just he was one of the other uh, he was one of the students beat the crap out of him and then all the other students came out to make the save and it turned into this big impromptu <laughs> battle royal so that was my first match and I made the final four so that was pretty oh, good there you go. <laughs> yeah almost so when you, so when you're kind of bopping around the indies for a few years did you ever go anywhere outside of the, the northeast area so uh, yeah I worked up and down the east coast for a couple years I I was booked as an extra in 2015 and everything kind of springboarded from there like i caught the eye of william regal and then he invited me down to a tryout at um what do you call it the arnold classic at the arnold classic How yeah there was the first live tryout that uh, nxt did um it was in front of the audience at the arnold oh wow so we, that was the the day what's his face got fired um Are you more uh bill demont bill demont oh, yeah, okay, yeah, gotcha, yeah. Gotcha. And Bloom took over did pretty well there, and then they invited me down to another one in September, which I did well. Super physically, physically, I did very well, but I blew. <laughs> promo was god awful, dude. Okay, so let's tell us about this. So when you do these trials at first, especially when you go to the PC, there's like you're doing all the drills, the rolls, the barrel rolls. It's very physical, right? Very physical, very tiring. It's <laughs> it's almost deadly. Yeah, <laughs> like you can't walk after. And there's really nothing to do with wrestling. It's more just drills and drills and drills, right? You're running the ropes. You're doing like drop down. Jumping over bags, you're rolling for hours, yeah. and then when you think you're done, they bring you into the weight room, and then they uh, they kill you in there. Actually, funny story about that. Like I watch, you know, I love wrestling, so I watch all the video packages and stuff. But I noticed that they always have one dude that these tryouts that they show on camera that just can't cut it. He's like on the floor, he's dying, <laughs> yeah, yeah. just to show how brutal it is. And I'm like, right. I'm not going to be that guy. You know, screw that. So I know I watched this video where they showed all the things, the drills that they were doing, like sleds and all that stuff. So I was like, I'm going to practice all these things so I'm perfectly, you know, okay with everything. So I did sleds at the gym every week, and I get down there, and they're like, all right, now we do a sled race. So in my back of my head, I'm like, I'm going to destroy everybody here. Not taking to the count that I just did seven hours of cardio, and I'm like dehydrated <sighs> and everything. So I'm like, okay, boom, go. I take off. I'm going a lot slower than I expected, and then I get down to the other side, and my calf cramps up, no. and I fall straight down. I'm in so much pain, and they just happened to be filming for that show uh, Breaking Ground that was on the right. network. I see all three cameras turn directly to me and sprint to me, <laughs> so, and they're all like getting my face. I'm, I'm crying in pain, and if I think it's like the first or second episode... Um, in the intro, you see me on the floor, <laughs> just screaming in pain from my calf. You so, became, you were that guy. I became the guy. <laughs> but you said you made it because I, I know. See, it's funny because you think, how would they do that? But when I went to the Hart Brothers camp back in 1990, it was the same thing. They they were trying to weed out the pretenders. Mm-hmm. Just that it was much more archaic. We had to run a mile backwards. We had to do uh, uh, 500 hack squats, which try and do 10 right now i mean we could do it but anyone listening try and do 10 hack squats which is just stand there and go down and go back up 500 of those they'd stretch you out to where you were like you're you're, you're, you'd sit there in a cross-leg position and they'd push your knees to the ground oh no 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 yeah yeah (laughs) and all that was done just to weed out you know the guys that didn't really want to be there so i kind of get that 
point of it, but it's pretty it's pretty over the top. Like no wrestler would have to do that here today. Oh no, nothing yeah. that we did other than run the ropes and maybe like the rolls apply yeah. to any of the wrestling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just strictly to kill you. So tell me about your promo. You said you blew it in the promo. Yeah. Um so again physically I did great. So I'm like this is fantastic. And then on the third day they have you cut a promo and you sit in front of the entire room, you got all the coaches and it's led by Coach Regal and you know he's a when you know him, he's super sweet. But if you don't know him, he comes off as very, very intimidating. He's got these very fierce eyes that like look into your soul. Yes. So um, I got up there. He, the one thing he told me going into it was, he's like, you have got a lot of the tools that we need to make you a superstar. Just work on your promo and your personality. But don't cut promos like a wrestler. Just have a conversation. So that's what I practiced. And I cut the promo. It was, what did they tell you to cut the promo on? It could be about anything. Whatever. I did something along the lines, like I have scars over my legs from surgery and I was like a model at the time. So it was kind of like an inspirational, like you can, you know, you don't have to be this portrait of beauty to be a model. You just, like that kind of vibe. Mm. Um, and it was, yeah, it was okay. And then he goes, um, all right, Anthony, um, can you do one more wrestler-like? And I was like, uh, 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 uh. And at the time, I didn't really have a character. I was still in the closet. So there was a this imaginary wall up that I couldn't like really get my personality out. Right. So I was just this bland blue chip athlete with just nothing else. And I cut the worst. They probably have it in the archives. I hope they burn it. The worst promo probably in the history of wrestling. I think I made fun of <laughs> Bloom's voice. It was, it was brutal. Um, and I think that's what blew it for me back then. <laughs> it was terrible. And then um, actually, when I got the email, it was the worst day of my life. Uh, I woke up that day. I got the email from uh, from them that said, not right now, but keep in touch. And then I went into the city because uh, I was in such a abysmal mood. And I blew a, a casting that I had with Foot Locker. And then I came home and then I found out uh, my grandmother passed away, which, you know, she was like one of the most important people in my life. Mm -hmm. So it was just kind of like it was the first day that life kind of kicked me in the balls. Mm -hmm. And... It was also probably one of the biggest days of inspiration that I had because I'm not one to kind of accept negativity too well. I like to spin everything to a positive. And um, I just kind of I went crazy. I wanted to do everything I could to get better and, and one, prove them wrong, that they made a mistake, that they didn't sign me and also to make my grandmother proud. So I started taking acting classes. I did improv classes. I did sketch comedy shows. We started the YouTube channel and grew that. I got an agent. And I started doing commercials. I just wanted to do everything I could to kind of get my personality, mm -hmm. you know, out of that mm -hmm. gutter. And it worked. <laughs> you know, that's great because it's interesting. You had called me a few months ago about an acting coach in L.A. And I did that in 2005. I walked away from wrestling for a couple of years because I was just burnt out and I wanted to do other stuff. And I did improv and acting class, but improv with the groundlings. I was going to say groundlings or UCB. Yeah, groundlings, groundlings was really integral. If you look when I came back in 2008 with the suit and tie guy, Jericho, and all the stuff since then, it really came from what I learned from, from improv comedy, which is, is always commit and just really drop into it. It's an acting technique as well, but sure. really made a difference for me also. I found that and the YouTube channel helped the most. Now, why did the YouTube channel help you so much? Because you're always in front of a camera gotcha. and you're talking to nobody but that camera. So you're kind of forced to, you have to commit to your situation. Right. Or else it's super awkward because it's just a little phone there. Um, and we have a catalog of hundreds of videos. So I had so much practice just trying to cut down on your takes. So you're kind of learning how to get things done very quickly and not have to worry about doing things over and over mm. and over again. Um, learning how to speak properly and how, how to enunciate and how to like even doing something like this right now, I probably would have had a problem before the YouTube mm. channel because I just couldn't talk freely. I would mm. be so awkward about everything because I am outside. Like everyone sees me screaming and yelling and yelling the acclaim to have arrived and all that stuff. I'm a very loud person on camera, but off camera, I tend to be a little introverted. I'm, yeah, I'm kind of quiet, quiet and yeah. shy. I'm not very much of a, of a talker from a social perspective. I'm very much the guy hanging on the wall at a party or something like that. Maybe until I get like a Long Island iced tea in me or something. <laughs> <laughs> but um, in that respect, it kind of brought me out of my shell. No, and, th and that's very important, like you said, to be in front of the camera and learn all that stuff. Because I always say wrestling is a lot like show business boot camp. 
you learn a little bit of every technique about show business. And if you can succeed in this business, you'll do really well in all other aspects because you do have to do a little bit of everything here, you know? Uh, you mentioned acting and doing some commercials. Anything we might have seen you in? Um, so I did a commercial for Lunchables where I was a luchador that got beat up by the little animals. Um, <laughs> that was national. I did a... <laughs> That's awesome. I just did one with Joe, Mc, uh, is it Joe McHale. Yeah, I believe, uh, with him yeah, yeah. on uh, first is um, it monkey sour with something monkey shoulder whiskey. I uh, did Domino's Pizza, did something for the NFL, Optimum Online, which is a cable company in the Northeast. Um, oh, wow. I did the Tough Enough commercials when they did the reboot of that. Probably missing a few others. So you got a pretty good resume here of commercials that you've done. Yeah, and yeah, you yeah. still do that now as well. You said you just did one with Joel McHale. Yeah, that oh. was the most recent one. Now that uh, Michael and I moved to LA, we're trying to because you mentioned the, the acting class with Kirk. Uh, actually, I have to email back. <laughs> Thank yes, you for yes, reminding yes, me. Yes. Kirk um, Waltz, Mar- uh, Marvin Nash from Reservoir Dogs, <clears throat> the cop who gets his ear cut off. <laughs> yeah. Very interesting guy. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Um, so I want to start kind of diving into more like TV film stuff. I just like I want to dip my toes in everything mm-hmm. because I have a lot of creativity and a lot of different outlets. I want to try and put that cre- creativity into. But pro wrestling is you know it's always going to be number one. The longest field goal ever attempted is seventy six yards. The longest field goal ever missed also seventy six yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a seventy yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. So how did you end up here in AW? Because you mentioned you had this tryout with WWE. didn't go. You kind of reinvented yourself with all this outside acting. And were you still wrestling or did you take a break? Were you... No, I was still wrestling. I, I, I was trying to pack my indies. I did a tour of England. I started kind of... Um, you branch out more from the Northeast. But in regards to AEW, so how that happened was, so following that tryout, I got the no, but just kind of keep in touch. By the way, if my voice is like shaky right now, everyone, it's because there's an air conditioner. You can move your chair. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I came in this room and this place is freezing. So sorry, you're going to move out. Oh, no, it's okay. I, and, and the best part is this thermostat's probably from like 1965. Oh, it's very I tried old. to turn it up and it, I don't think it really worked very well, so. All right. <laughs> Jericho's Meat Locker and Podcast. <laughs> there you go. Um, so they said, uh, no, not right now. And then randomly in 2017, I got an email, just one sentence, and it's, uh, you're in line for a 2018 opportunity. And I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't know what that means. From email, from uh, WWE. From WWE, yeah. What, just, what, a, what a WWE word, opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know what that means. There's nothing to expand upon. So I was just like, okay. And that was really about it. And then um, a couple months later, I was in the improv class. I got another email, and they're like, hey, um, we are, we're looking to bring you in. They sent me all this stuff, the background checks and everything. I was like, oh, okay. Like, out of nowhere, I did it. I don't know what I did, but I did it. You have no uh, preamble to this. They just call you out of the blue and say, out of the blue. Because wow. I, I, every so often, I would email them just like updates, like, hey, I'm doing this, or I'm working here now, or hey, hey check this out. My, my, my promo right. spills, skills are getting better. Um, but out of the blue, just got that. So I'm like, okay, I did it. Um, went through that whole process, was waiting on when they were going to, um, I guess, assign me a class and all that stuff. And then it just went radio silent. I didn't hear a thing. A couple months go by, like checking in with them, nothing. A couple, couple more months go by, then it became um, the budget issue. Uh, there's no room at the PC. Just it kept, The excuses just kept coming. And it got to the point where it was like two years of this. And I was like, you know what? I got to stop worrying about this because I was yeah. losing my enjoyment of wrestling because I felt like I, I started to wrestle to get signed as opposed to wrestling because I love it. Right. So I was like, screw this. I have to stop worrying about it. So I just stopped caring, started uh, getting back to the love of pro wrestling, having really good matches with people. And then the pandemic hit. I was starting to pick up some buzz on the indies. And actually, that was around the time where Sean Spears was doing the, or finding the, the perfect partner search. Right. And I get, a, um, I get a message from Kevin Matthews, who's actually here today. He's like, hey, send this, send this video in like right now to, to uh, QT. 
sent it in and ended up being in the top three for that. So I was like, okay, like this is going to be my opportunity um, with AEW. And then I hear that, oh, I'm going to be booked for the Blood and Gut show in Newark. So I was figuring that I was probably going to be his partner there. So like, this is finally my opportunity. Like I'm getting so close and then rug gets pulled away. And I get so close and the rug gets pulled away. And in typical fashion, literally 30 minutes after the phone call, I go on Twitter and it's like, every show's canceled. Like this is a global pandemic. And I was just gutted. Like I understood that there was much more important things no. going on in the world, but it was like, Again, I was we were hoping so to get to blood and guts. Like, I was like, if we could just get to blood and guts, because we were supposed to have the double cage and everything. But like you said, it was two weeks prior, shut down. Yep, everything's done. Yeah. So that was another blow. And then, you know, I, I kept in touch uh, with QT. And I kept trying to come down. Then it was going to be June, but then the cases rose again. So that ended up getting canceled. And finally, I was just like, screw it. Like, I'll take my chances. I'll fly down there. I came down in October. I worked a dark against Lennon. It's in Jacksonville when there's nobody there. Yeah. yeah. Jacksonville, an empty uh, Daly's place against uh, Luther and, and Serpenico. Had a fun match. Actually, the night before that, I was uh, a minute from going out, and they scrapped the match because someone got hurt. So it was like, again, I went back to <laughs> <laughs> I can't even get a match in front of no people. <laughs> so I went to the hotel room that night. I was just so defeated. But then I got that match the next day. And it aired two weeks later because like, we were taping everything in advance. And about maybe 12 hours after that, the next morning, I get an email or message on Twitter from WWE. Hey, um, we want you to talk to Regal. I talked to Regal and I hadn't heard anything from AEW and I didn't really know who to contact in terms of anything. But then they offered me a deal. and With, with WWE. With WWE, with NXT. And I said Yes. I was like, all right, I did it. This is great. Somewhere along the lines, um, Tony found out about this and offered me uh, to come down and meet him. They hadn't sent me a contract yet. So I was, and this was maybe like two or three weeks after I had said yes. So I was like, you know what? I, I, I wouldn't hurt to like hear this guy out to see what he said. Um, so I flew down and to Jacksonville. To Jacksonville. And as I was going there, I get into the elevator and there's Max Caster. And I'm like, hey, Max. Who I hadn't seen in a while. Like Max trained in Creative Pro New York. I trained in Creative Pro New Jersey. We only knew each other maybe in passing, hi and goodbye. I think we worked each other once out of the years that we've known each other. But nothing like um, yeah. substantial. Right. So I'm like, hey, what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, I'm here to talk to Tony. I'm like, oh, well, I'm here to talk to Tony. And then we found out we were there to talk to Tony together. And um, we were trying to figure out what was happening. And then we, we get brought into TK's office. And he's like, hey, like, I have this idea for you two. I like you guys. Um, I'd like you to call you guys the acclaimed. And we're like, okay, that's awesome. But also at the same time, I was like, I just said yes <laughs> to, to NXT. Like, this is, it's a risk. Because if you don't like me, then this match airs. And then they see that I'm, you know, I'm screwed. Yeah. And he's like, don't worry about it. Uh, go out and have this match we went out we worked um best friends we had a great match came back to the curtain i saw him give a thumbs up and i i just i wanted to be here in the first place when you guys when the place first opened my focus shifted here i didn't really want to move to orlando and i also had this family emergency that happened that kind of changed my perspective like i wanted to be home i wanted to have more outlets of uh creativity to be able to continue my youtube channel because right. i would have to give up everything sure drop that leave my family and, and go to orlando, orlando so yeah. like everything was just telling me i needed to be here <laughs> from mm. the very beginning and um i put pen to paper and here we are how was that for you to um because first of all I, I think i've told you the story before i think at one point Tony wanted to call the inner circle Chris Jericho and the acclaimed. Mm -hmm. I think he wanted to be like Tom he's, as the example he used was Tom Petty and the heartbreakers. And I was like, I like the idea of an, of a name of a, of a team name, but I know he loved the acclaimed. And that's when, when I saw you guys like, ah, oh, there's the acclaimed. How was that for you? Cause I just spoke to uh, Daniel Garcia when they, when Tony put him with, with um, Menard and Parker mm out of the blue and that night the wrestling staying in Derby and Mox and whatever it was kind of the same thing for you this is your guy and you barely know him but you better go out there and kill it yeah that was frightening yeah it, it was from the time he had that conversation of us being the acclaimed and the match was maybe about an hour and a half two hours so Max and I are like well we don't know what the acclaimed is <laughs> you're right 
we don't know what to do, especially me, because I was doing this five to a player character, which was like this top athlete, perfect combination of power, athleticism, intelligence, the look and the it factor. What was it called? The five to a player. It's five a baseball term. Gotcha. For like a, a baseball superstar. I was doing that. And what are the five tools? Uh, power, athleticism, intelligence, the look, and the it factor. Gotcha. And he's a rapper. Those two really don't mix. <laughs> <laughs> so we go out and we do this entrance and it's terrible. I will never watch this footage ever again. Cody told me, uh, just go out and pretend that everything uh, Max says is the greatest thing ever. Like every diss is the most brutal diss you've ever heard in your entire life. That was the only direction we had. And I go out there and he's rapping without music because we didn't have a theme. The Daly's place is en- empty. <laughs> the boys are sitting up there watching, probably laughing their asses off at us. It was horrible. <laughs> it was pretty terrible. Um, but that became the issue because it's like we don't have a move set. We have to figure out like what we're doing. We need to figure out a look. We need to figure out color schemes. We need catchphrases. We need all of these things. And the reception to us because of all that, because we weren't this prepared package, was terrible. Like everyone hated us. And not in like you guys are like good heels, man. Like we hate yeah. you. This like they wanted us to, to die. <laughs> like, like why are these guys here? Because like, we don't have a warehouse to train every single day. We don't have house shows don't to have go house and try shows. stuff. Yeah. You know, we, we can't practice this stuff for five days a week for six months and then be this perfect presentation on television by the time fans see it. We had to learn all of that on TV or on dark every single week in front of people. We would just have to you know, try moves and uh, try new pieces of gear and, and figure out catchphrases that we don't get a response to mm. because there's nobody in the audience. Like the acclaimed have arrived line. Now everybody yells it because we have full arenas. But back then, you know, I'm screaming it to to nobody. I sound awkward and it, it was it, almost shoehorned in because I felt I feel bad is not the right term. But he comes out, Max, and he's just rapping and he's got all these lines. And you kind of like you're the hype man. Mm-hmm. And it's like okay, here's your here's your one line. They well, we needed. Right. I didn't even have the line in the beginning. You didn't? I no, because yeah. it, it would just end it, and there would just be this awkwardness of like, yeah, yeah. he just said what that. What he said, yeah. Yeah. So we had to figure out something for me to say, and I was um, uh, I was driving home, my GPS was on, and it was like, you have arrived. And I was like, yeah, I'm an AEW now. I've arrived. They claimed I've arrived, and that's yeah. kind of where that came from. It's not like the coolest thing to say, but if you say it with enough conviction enough, and you're screaming at the top of your lungs, you know, eventually. But you've made it part of the act now. Yes. You know, that's that's the thing. And people know what's going on. And they know it's it's it's, it's the old, uh, what did Billy Gunn used to say whenever he was at the road dog, we'd do the whole preamble. And then Billy, uh, Billy would say, you know, if, if you're, you're not, not down, yeah, with, that, yeah. down yeah. with that, I got two words for you. But that was kind of the whole thing that everyone was waiting to say, you know. Yeah, I figured if I say something, you know, passionately enough. At some point, it'll catch on, especially when people come back. Mm-hmm. And it has. You know, I'm signing, signing it on 8x10s. People are yelling it in my face as I'm walking Vegas Strip. So it's yeah. pretty cool. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Well, and the thing is, too, is you guys got put in some pretty big matches right out of the gate as soon as you got put together. That was the other thing. We were, I think we only had 10 matches together, and we were main eventing Dynamite with the Bucks for the title. So, like, <laughs> Tony likes to get things going pretty yeah, yeah, yeah. But once again, I was going to say this, and I, I think I've read you, read you saying this before, too. Tony is really, he's really good at a lot of things, but he's really good at putting together these interesting combinations of tag teams that really work. I mean, you mentioned Luther and Serpentico, and you meant you know Griff and Pillman, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, and then, and then you guys. It's it's a perfect mix. But where did he see this from? You know what I mean? Like I have no idea because Max and I from we're, we're great friends. Like I, I talk to him every single day now. In the beginning, we were both kind of like I don't know because you know we're we're very much oil and water on some things. Well, sure, but we blend so well together 
in terms of almost everything. <laughs> like, and I think we've balanced each other out in a really, really good way. Like in the beginning, he was very much extreme and I was very much super, super safe. Yeah. And I wouldn't take any chances. And he taught me how to, you know, be a little bit more, you know, adventurous with what, what, what we're doing out there. Um, and then I, you know, kind of settled him into his role a little bit so like we play off each other super well we've rubbed off on each other well and i think the product of um you know what we're putting out every single week and people seem to really be enjoying i think it shows but that that's important too let's say you got put together and you, you don't like each other or one guy's an asshole or whatever i mean that this is your career this is your chance for both guys you got to make this work no matter what and it's good that you actually have some uh, some camaraderie between you oh yeah great camaraderie yeah. i i can't imagine not talking to him at this point you know mm-hmm. we're always bouncing he's the one person that i know will be up at four in the morning when i have this crazy idea or the silly idea that we want to do i know he's going to be up i'll text him we'll have a conversation about it and plus he's always down for like anything in the sense of you know we do all these funny music videos right um which at the last one we did was goth phase that people really seem to like against Sting and uh, a Darby. It's like, wouldn't it be funny if we did this? And they're like, yeah, let's film it. I'm like, yeah. okay, we'll film it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's really good to have a partner creatively like that who's just so down for everything. One of the matches that you had early on was against me and, and MJF. Yes. Which is hilarious because I remember the match was really good, but there's one of my all-time favorite moments in the ring because we were taping these matches. Oh man! <laughs> oh, not this Let's story. Talk about, okay, so let me. Let, I'll set the. I'll set the, the the scene and then you can fill it in. Okay. So we're taping matches at this time frame because we had, we did a live Wednesday night show. Then Tuesday we would tape Dynamite, and I was watching these guys make mistakes and stop and start again. I was like, I'll never do that. I'll never stop. <laughs> this is stupid. You got to be a pro out there. Fast forward to our match and tell us what happened. Okay, there's actually another layer to this, which I don't think you know. No, please tell me. So there's the a move that I do, which we actually still don't have a name for it. Max and I call it the special side slam. It's basically the kind of Uranagi sidewalk slam that I do before Max hits his uh, mic drop on our finish. And <laughs> I told, I explained it to you, and you're like, yeah, yeah, I got it, I got it. So we're going through this match, and it's going great. Um, it really was. It was. It was. Yeah. Really, was really killer, fun. Yeah. And I was also, which I didn't tell anybody, going through very, very severe knee pain. I tore my meniscus in a match sometime in November. I didn't know it. I just felt knee pain. Oh, like wow. I was. I'd have to take breaks in the airport really? from walking, but I had just signed, so I was like, I can't. And we were getting pushed. Like I can't. Yeah. Like tell them my knees hurt in the middle of a push like a month after I got signed. Right. So I was just sucking this thing up and just taping it up every single week and like giving Max most of these matches so I didn't have to do much on it. And it would be like, all right, it feels better. And then I'd have the match with the Bucks and then it was absolutely insane killing killing me. And then it would feel better again. Like, you know what? I'll just wait one more match and then I'll get it looked at. One more match. And I was getting to the point, I need to get this looked at. But then. Our match came up. I'm like, I got to wrestle Chris Jericho and MDF. I got to go one more match. So I tape it up. We're doing the thing. I get tagged in for the hot tag. I think I hit you with a tackle and I take one step to punch uh, MJF in the face and my knee goes. It pops. Oh, shit. So I'm in the middle of the comeback oh, my bumping you guys and I'm like, like I'm process. I know it's taped so I could stop in any moment, but I'm like, I can't. Stop. So I'm in pain. I'm going through this whole thing. And then it gets to the point where I'm just going to hit you with this move. So I go to pick you up, but your legs go the other way. As so if I was... thought, and the reason why I just fluffed it off is I thought it was a rock bottom. I mm. thought you were giving me a rock bottom, which you pick the guy up and then your legs go out and then you come down on your back. And then, so when you went to give me the move, it didn't go right. And I was like, well, what happened there? That's weird. And so go ahead. Yeah, so we do it once, and your your legs go the wrong way, and I'm like, no, 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 the other way. But I don't, I don't know if I said it loud enough. Then you did it again, uh, but even further the wrong way. I'm like, oh, no. Because I'm really trying to throw my legs <laughs> out. Like, I know I've taken a thousand rock bottoms. I know how to do this. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. And then I hear you go one more time. I'm like, okay. And then it was even more extreme in the wrong direction, and I kind of let you down. And then, I'm t- Chris, I'm telling you, my heart sank down into my stomach you 
shot up pissed and you're like what's this what's this move i was like uh uh <laughs> but then i realized one thing i realized this kid is terrified and then max mjf tells a story where he i just went okay please explain to me <laughs> what i'm supposed to do and i'll never forget the look on your face because you were like so like scared like terrified i was frightened but i'm also no selling the fact that my knees oh my is God. in excruciating I'm pain I'm so, <laughs> so i'm like okay my knee's in pain uh this guy that i look up to hates me i'm probably gonna get fired tomorrow i need to like hit this move i explain it to you we roll again we hit it the match goes off actually i'm supposed to dive onto mjf after this <laughs> i do a house show and i jump up and my knee, I couldn't get it up off the ground, so my toe hit the top rope, and I nosedive oh, face wow. first into the uh, the mat on the outside. Oh wow! And by that point, I had just had it. I laid there, and people were checking on me. I was like, I don't want to talk to you. I just want to go to the hospital. <laughs> well, and you guys wouldn't even know this because we, I was always really involved in the edits of my match, and we it was flawless. It looked amazing. But I remember that that the fourth time, I was like, okay, now I'm getting embarrassed because I got what do we have 20 people in the in the crowd Ringside, yeah. all these people are like you know there's some online that say chris jericho go to chris jericho this goes i'm like chris jericho doesn't know how to take a move <laughs> i'm like this sucks i know it's not your fault what am i doing wrong and i remember it's like can you can you please just tell me what we're supposed to do? And we did it. But then I remembered that dive because I was like, what happened there? And we had to zoom in on it and tighten it up or whatever it was. But yeah. Oh my gosh. I was laughing so hard. I, I went to Tony after I said, it is not his fault. I, I had no idea what the we were doing there. My apologies. I, I feared for my job. <laughs> I was like, these guys are going to think I suck. I'll never work here again. Oh, no. That was all on me. That was all on me. So let's talk about as we start to wind down here, because you mentioned that you work against the Young Bucks. There were some other big matches, and one of them was against Sting, who you said was the guy that got you into wrestling in the first place. Yes. How was that for you, kind of getting to that position when now you're wrestling one of your heroes? Very cool. So I, I still haven't really soaked in everything yet, because I'm still, I guess... I'm always looking for what the, what's the next thing and how we can continue to grow. So, like, I appreciate it, but I guess it just doesn't really hit me. That was one of the nights where, like, everything hit me. That was the the first match that I saw with him was the was the Sting and Hogan Starcade, which was in Washington D.C. That night it was my ninth anniversary as a wrestler. We main evented Dynamite in Washington D.C. Oh wow! And it was his first night back on TBS. Oh, that's cool. So it was a super cool, almost like life coming full right. circle moment. The match was great. He was um, he was super happy with it. It was really cool. I think the turning point for me, though, was the match with Danielson. These are your single matches. Let me say matches. this, too. You went on a tear of your matches were excellent. Your singles matches well, were you. excellent stuff. Because also, too, when you're a tag team, and when one guy has to do singles sometimes, you're not as much in practice. But you can tell that you were probably wrestling singles for most of your career. Yes. I, I can't remember all the specific ones, but the Danielson one was good. Who else did you work with? Uh, Jungle, Darby, Mox. All those Mox was good. That was another good one. The Darby one was good. So, so I feel like I was a bit underappreciated the first year here they didn't know you yeah i didn't really have the opportunity to kind of show what i can do because you know we have limited spots on tv so we got to make the most of them and a lot of the times it was you know very heavy on you know the rap and then we're a heel tag team so we're not going to be doing much cool stuff that's not really the story of what we're doing the story is you know these of course these baby faces that have this program going on so there wasn't really that much opportunity for me to show that like i've been a high caliber professional wrestler for on the indies for a very very long time as a singles wrestler and i didn't really have the opportunity to show that or have any showcases i guess outside of just being a tag team so um uh danielson apparently asked tony to to wrestle me which was which i thought was cool and a really big moment for me in the sense that i think he's one of the best guys that You're right. do it in Absolutely. the world currently and if he sees something in, enough in me to want to uh, work with me yeah, that's a big confidence boost and um, went out there. We crushed it. And I think that was kind of where people were like, oh, like he's actually a really good pro wrestler. Mm. And I proved that. And then I had to prove to people that I'm also, you know, a fun personality. And that's kind of where I'm at now with the in, in the wheelchair. 
um, or what the wheelchair was. Is was this a, the same knee injury from before, the meniscus? No, it's the other knee. <laughs> okay, so, then, so, okay, so you've been out for a while, but you're back now, but you're out for a bit. Yes. And once again, pro wrestling style, well, you know, Sigma in a wheelchair. You, you could have been in a wheelchair for a year. You're lucky that you're out by now. Yeah, but I mean, it was my idea because like, I wanted, because I was coming out and people were like, why isn't Bowens wrestling? Like, I felt like there should be a reason. A story. Yeah. yeah, some story behind it. And um, I also knew that, you know, we were building up to a pay-per-view, so it's not like we we're going to have a ton of time to do things. So I figure if we have wheelchair Bowens as a character with our new friends, uh, the gun club, the ass boys, you know, we can really get across our personalities a lot more so we can show that, you know, Max and I and all these other dudes are well-rounded mm-hmm. personalities. We're not just, hey, we're good wrestlers or, hey, this guy's a good wrestler, but this guy's a personality. Like, we're both yeah. entertaining yeah. Sports entertainers, like as you would like to say, or pro wrestlers. Five five point athletes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's another Tony uh, vision visionary putting you with the Ass Boys, which has been a great connection with the four of you guys. And Actually, really, that was us. Years. Oh, get it? Yeah, yeah. yeah the, everything that we've been doing is us. We we saw the chemistry that we had together in terms of just talking, um, mm-hmm. you know, hanging around each other at the arena, and we figured it was an opportunity to really blend it together we brought the idea to tony he gave us the thumbs up which which is i think one of the coolest things about being here is we have a boss that trusts us but also knows when to put his foot down right it's getting a little bit crazy but he trusts us to put together the the pre-tapes that we're doing every single week whether we're doing it on dynamite or we're doing the um doing that whatever you call it we put together these little promos where we promote the next city and they're super yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. local yeah local local promos so uh he trusts us with that and he trusts us with like Max and I with the music videos. You know, people always love those things. And actually, people started coming around on us after we did the goth phase music video. But we had been doing them for I remember for, for the a entire long time, for yeah. a long time before every match that you had, pretty much. Yeah, we would do. Actually, we did, I don't know if you saw it. We did a whole series on you and Max called "Road to Kicking the Shit Out of the Inner Circle." <laughs> we had a whole storyline. I brought my best friend and Nico. He played a Gino Jericho, your Italian cousin from New Jersey, that you kicked out of the house because you're such a bad person. Like we had. All of these things that if it made TV, I feel like people probably would have came around. That's the thing with our show. It's so jam-packed. It's hard to get that stuff on. But that's true character building. But we also have a big social media presence. So you got to just put it out there and keep it rolling because it does make a difference. Yeah. I'll show you that afterwards. You probably Okay. Yeah, yeah. I saw a couple of I I didn't see the Gino Jericho, though, one. But uh, I remember I remember you did a couple on us because that's that was way back. Yeah. yeah, Gosh, when was that? November of 2020 or September? It was earlier than that. I think that was in February of 2021 20, so that's my point it was a long time ago you know so last few things and when you come out in the wheelchair and every, i saw last week everyone's doing the scissor thing with their hands <laughs> is, is that what i think it is what is that coming from scissoring is simply a sign of friendship oh. and nothing more <laughs> <laughs> that's, get your mind out of the gutter yeah, get your mind out of the gutter guys um <laughs> that was another thing like organically so a lot of things that are that people love about the acclaimed have all been organic stuff which is i think pretty cool too there was one time in dark where you know i I hit my little pose where i put my hand down it looks like the a and then max came up from behind i think he had just just to rib me tried to catch me with the scissor and i reacted to it like whoa like what are you doing because like again like in the beginning i was super safe with things I, i wouldn't really like just yes and from an improv perspective i'm trying to be like uh and they actually asked us to stop doing it for a little bit. And then I think Max milked my fingers once, <laughs> which was even worse. Yeah. Go so back to the like, scissor. So they're like, go back to the scissoring. But I was on the floor. at I can't remember what match it was, but I knew we were on to something when the entire front row had their hands out and they're all yelling, Bowen's scissor me. <laughs> and then it just became a thing. And now we do meet and greet. We just did one last weekend where we signed for a good four or five hours straight. Just constant line. Every single person wanted to scissor. They wanted a double scissor. They wanted a chain scissor. They wanted to do all kinds of scissoring. <laughs> so it's a, it's a thing now. It's the new craze in pro wrestling. It's the but new that's handshake. the secret of wrestling, man. You know, like you mentioned, organically is the best way for anything in wrestling. When it happens organically, that's when you know it's got some steam behind it. Mm-hmm. So last few things for you. Uh, now that you're back, you're, you're healthy again. What's your goals in AEW? First of all, tag team gold. I think we have more than what it takes to be at the top of this tag team division, to be holding the, 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 the gold and 
carrying that weight for the representing the company, I should say. Mm-hmm. That's probably our biggest goal. But I have so many different things. I like to take things one step at a time. I'd love to be TNT champion, obviously. I'd love to be world champion at some point. Uh, but I just want to keep showing people that, you know, Anthony Bowens, the acclaimed, we're, we're fantastic performers. We're great sports entertainers. You know, we're superstars. And want to keep getting that point across every single week and hope people have fun with us. What's your favorite match you ever had? Ooh. My favorite match. Is there a few? There could be a few, but actually the most fun I ever had was with Kevin Matthews in um, this rinky-dink place in Brooklyn. I can't remember the name of it, but it looked like almost like a car garage type vibe, but it was super narrow. So there would only be fans on one side of the ring and it would just go all the way back. And the locker room downstairs was a... um, a dungeon basically there was just dirt and dust all over the place and dirty rusty tools and <laughs> for whatever reason that night everybody was going crazy they're like i'm gonna put you through this table and kevin and i were just like let's just do the complete opposite yeah. and we had a comedy match but it was so fun and so funny he started off the match where he was loaded every part of his body was loaded with a pipe it was like a hacksaw <laughs> a, gimmick, yeah. a gimmick in there um, we ended up having this thing where <laughs> actually Cornette would probably have a field day with this one. We all did each like superstars moves, but the surprise at the end was uh, the ref started doing all of Punk's comeback on me, and then everybody was getting uh, false finishes on each other, including the ref. The place was going crazy. <laughs> the the seventy people that were there. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was probably the most fun. Uh, last question for you, going back to what we started with. Do you have any advice for anybody that that's, might be gay, that maybe is scared to say something, or that is uh, ashamed or embarrassed or anything along those lines? Don't be ashamed of who you are. Be you. Come out when the time is right. Let that decision be yours. Don't let anybody else uh, affect that decision. And know that there's hope because there's people like myself, there's people like Sonny, there's people like Nyla and everybody else, whether it's here, another company, or in the indies. Um, we're all trying to make the world a better place for you, trying to create more opportunities, more doors for you. So you're not that kid who's sitting at the desk crying uh, hopelessly that you can't be what you want to be in life. So, Well, dude, you've done it, man. Awesome talking to you. Thank you, Chris. This is fun. Great stuff, dude.